Hey, welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. Along with JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. It's like old old hey! fogies week. I mean, like we haven't done no, one it's of these. actually it's 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 the podcast reunion tour. It is. We haven't done one of these together in a while. It's our it's our last. No, we're not even saying it's our last podcast reunion tour. We'll keep coming back That's every right. year for the next twenty years. Exactly. Rolling so. Stones final reunion tour. Tickets still plenty available, um, but we're cheaper than a Rolling Stones tour. So, uh, thanks for the download and. Uh, Obviously, uh, for any podcast, you ever want to be on the Baseball Ma- America podcast, email us at podcast at baseballamerica.com or tweet at us. He's at JJCoop36. I'm at John Manuel BA. I picked a great week or a terrible week to go on vacation. Depends great on your week for you and a, uh, a terrible t- week. Tough week for you guys because you had so many trades to write up. But, uh, a very active trade week. I enjoyed being at the beach, um, tan, rested, and ready for this podcast. And uh, But I'll tell you, it was fun to keep up with, and I actually watched a trade update special and I didn't have MLB network. I watched the one on ESPN and enjoyed watching that one as well. I thought that you know it was fun to watch JJ as like Jason Stark would get a call on the set and he would just get up, get his phone and walk off the camera and take the call or text. I mean that's kinda of fun to see it kinda happening in real time. Many calls now. now it's more texting. He was getting calls. If the phone was vibrating, he got up and he took it and he came back and said, um, yeah, Yoannis Espinas is going to the Mets for sure. You know, so it was fun. Um, now it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. Because the whole reason I was watching is I kept thinking there were going to be Padres trades. That's one we'll talk about later. But we do want to take a little bit more of a organization by organization kind of look at this and, uh, from the trade perspective and the trade deadline. And what teams, uh, you know, what these, these trades did to their farm systems. And, but we want to start off, I mean, I think the, the Blue Jays got a lot of attention. And you should get a lot of attention, JJ, when you acquire Troy Tulowitzki and David Price. Two of the, I, I would say, I'm not going to say the top two players available because I, I went and got into this on Twitter on Friday. I, I, David Price, as much as you love him, it is hard for me to say that he is a not, a significant notch ahead of Johnny Cueto. He is, those two guys are both aces to me. And Cole Hamels. And Cole I, Hamels. All three of those pitchers, to me, have, if you want to go peaks, career value, that kind of stuff. Right. They're, they're in that take, same group. You could take any of those three. But they got the best, I would say that they got at least the guy, he may not be the best going forward, but they got the best guy who was traded position player-wise. Agree. And then they also got one of that top group of pitchers. Obviously, you mean Ben Revere. <laughs> or maybe Troy Tulowitzki. Right. But, uh, but, and they did it in a way, they didn't gut the farm system. Well, the thing that I like, first off, I love that they finally got Troy Tulowitzki. It's like making up for the mistake of 10 years ago. And I hate calling Ricky Romero a mistake. He certainly had his big league moments, but they passed on <laughs> but Ricky Romero. If, if you did that 100 out of 100 times with perfect yeah. hindsight, you're not taking Ricky Romero. They, they passed on Troy Tulowitzki for Ricky Romero in 2005 basically thinking that Tulowitzki couldn't play shortstop. They needed a shortstop for all those years. They go out and get Jose Reyes, and he's been banged up for them and not as good as the old Jose which, Reyes. And the sad thing is, is, which is something you could have predicted, because Jose Reyes has always been banged up. Yes, and it was predictable. At least and they Tulowitzki is banged up. Which, of course, that Reyes could take us on a sidetrack to the Marlins' <laughs> constant new plans, but we'll get to that later. I just think it's kind of neat they finally get Troy Tulowitzki after t- 10 years later than they should have. Um, and at a reasonably high cost. I mean, obviously, they gave up some pretty power arms in Hoffman, Castro. Was that the Toronto deal as well? Yes. And No, Tinoco. Tinoco, thank you, not Toronto. Tinoco. And, and Tinoco's a very interesting arm. Yeah. I mean, those are, they got, they gave up three significant arms. But it was interesting. The currency of this draft, this trade deadline was 
pitching prospects. Hoffman just shows, again, that reminder of when you get a top college pitching prospect one year, they are almost, they are in some ways currency, whether they're they for you or someone else. Especially if they haven't completely fallen on their face. If they haven't Jed Bradley'd, to right. coin a phrase. Yes. I mean, they, they are currency. Jeff Hoffman, in the end, I did he have 10 actual official appearances Not as a yet. Blue Jay? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. So you're talking less than 10 Blue Jays appearances, and he's already traded. Congratulations, Jeff. You get to go pitch for the Rockies. <laughs> Good luck for you. But... Uh, but if you look at that, you, you look at that from the standpoint of the Blue Jays, and hey, that that's what you do. A midseason prospect update: Blue Jays number one was Daniel Norris, gone to Detroit. Number two, Dalton Pompey, still there. Jeff Hoffman, three, gone to the Rockies. Four, Miguel Castro, gone to the Rockies. They still have Richard Urena, Anthony Alford, Matt Boyd at seven, gone to the Tigers. Correct. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Sean Reed Foley, probably now the best pitching prospect in the organization. Again, not a college draft. The high school pick from last year fell in the draft. Pretty nice bonus for the, and, for and the Blue very, Jays. Guys I've talked to who've seen him really like him. Think you know. Although Absolutely. I'll say this, big on Tanoko, who was on that same staff. Tanoko does it easier. Right. He does it easier. Reed Foley is further along right now. But those two guys be interesting to watch how they develop. Again, Tanoko. Sorry, you're, you're you're going to Colorado, so that yeah, makes exactly. it a little tougher. Um, Rowdy Telez at nine. They didn't trade him. Did no, they? he's still there. They traded the other guy from that draft class, Jake Brents, left-handed right. pitcher. I linked them in my head just because they were the two low-round draft guys they gave a lot of money to, and they didn't sign. I, I, someone I, on Twitter a few weeks ago was trying to convince me that we underranked Rowdy Telez because he's a late-round pick, and so we overlooked him. And it's like you were like, dude, no, hello. He got a gazillion dollars. He only fell because of his asking. He was pretty price. high on the BA five hundred as well. Right. Max Pentecost at ten. I will say Max Pentecost. Might be to Ricky Romero as Troy Tulowitzki is to Trey Turner, a guy where they wish they drafted Trey Turner. We'll see if Pentecost can get healthy. Right, but, but you, they, you've got to you, you've got to be a little concerned about a catcher who keeps having shoulder. Injuries. Correct, correct. That's a concern. but then Torado was our rising prospect. And by the way, if you haven't on Twitter, God, go you got to go watch. America. Go to the Facebook. No, go to our Facebook yeah, page because then you get the full video. Hoochie Mama, that's a crazy slider. Yes. That's like a Nintendo <laughs> but slider. The gif, the gif of the slider is also on Twitter, which is fun to watch. It is a fun slide, And that's, oh yeah, by the way, he also throws a 99 to 100. Right. And then, of course, in the draft this year, they got John Harris to fall to them, who's kind of like the 2015 draft's version of Sean Reed Foley, a guy everyone thought was going to go Different 10 ways to they 15. Do it, but yeah. Right. But just in terms of a guy who everyone thought, I mean, I, I heard him at 8. I heard him tied to. I heard him at four early on. Like the Rangers were like, our compromise candidate. We want a starter. John Harris signed for less money. We'll spend more elsewhere. Obviously, they got Dylan Tate. But I'm like, John Harris could have gone as high as four or eight. He was a single-digit possibility most of the year. Winds up at 29. That's a coup for them. The thing that stands out is is that they are one of the teams that there's a lot that happens. Again, this is, I, I you know, this is why midseason updates are important. Is is a whole lot happens between the time we finish the rankings, February, which yeah. is where they're all wrapped up, and now there's no better example of that than Anthony Alford. And it's always difficult when we rank them. If we were ranking Anthony Alford now, which is a, effectively a month to a month and a half after we did it for the midseason update, he would rank higher on that list. Why? Right. Because he's continued to do it in the FSL. Every time we talk to a scout about him, they go, 
This guy is figuring it out so fast. You're talking about a He's guy... He's figuring it out in front of your eyes, in front of your very eyes. You're talking about a player who essentially missed three years. Coming into this year, you can't really say that he had had a pro career. Coming into this year, he had 25 professional games, period. In three seasons. In three seasons. Which, he was by a 2011 the way, draft. Right, which, by the way, 25 games over three seasons is much worse for development than 25 games in one year. That's what you play when you're like between ages six and eight. <laughs> That's right. how many games you play. He would play. show up for, uh, essentially, he would get a week of games, and then off he'd go to football practice. Well, this year, he's a guy who has an understanding of the play of the strike zone. Which He has 52 walks this year, J.J. That is mind-blowing. It really a, is. He's an up-the-middle, athletic outfielder who should hit for power and average and get on base. I'll, go back, a, I'll go back to what I remember uh, about him, even in the draft that year. This is athleticism is so significant. There was a great picture his junior year in 2010 at Petal High, where they won the state title. And he was running in from the outfield to join the dog pile. And the picture looks like he jumped from the outfield grass <laughs> onto, like, you want to watch somebody whip and nae and then watch him Superman? He freaking Supermans from center field. I'm sorry, my daughter loves that song. But he jumps in from, like, it's like he's jumping in from center field, jumping on the dog pile. So just the athleticism. So that year's draft for the Blue Jays, maybe DJ Davis is a little bit of a miss. But you know what? But he's starting I, to show I, I some will signs. Say this, you don't rule him completely right. out. No, he's starting the to show signs. The ceiling may be a little lower than what you would hope, but he's showing signs that he's not a complete like throw him, you know, wipe him out as a, a possibility. But Anthony Alford from the same state, same draft class, that oh. guy is starting to really come on. There, there is. There, it's definitely the the currency of drafts, as you pointed out. What was it? Fifty seven prospects dra- traded, forty four pitchers. That was a great stat. Um, pitching prospects were definitely the currency of trades. And part of that is, they, and part of that is just because there are very yeah. few position player prospects, elite, premium, and the few that there are, you could call the Dodgers and say, "Hey, we want Corey Seager," and they go, oh, "I'm sorry, but uh, he's not available." Right. Like when you call, now look the. The Phillies, that, that, that segues us, because let's go to the Phillies. The Phillies finally traded Cole Hamels. Right. And they did it. It's interesting. They did this in a way. They got a significant haul, six players back. They did include uh, Jake Deakman, Deakman. Yeah. so they included a little bit more in the trade. And they also well. took on some salary in, right. in Harrison. And so that helps, which, by the way, again, to me, that was my – I think the Mets did a lot of good things. It still baffles me that they had the A's pay – a third of the salary of Clippard. Why? If again, I know why. I know the answer. But if you're the Mets and the A's, you're working out a trade with the A's. You are cutting the value of the prospect you send back by saying we'll take all the money on. It's amazing. You're not doing it the other way around. That's yep. how these these deals work. But if you're the Phillies, take on some of that money. But it was interesting to me. They got. If you want to argue that Jorge Alfaro is the cornerstone prospect in that trap in that trade. Or if you want to argue that Nick Williams is the cornerstone prospect in that trade. Or if you want to argue that Jake Thompson right. is the cornerstone prospect. All three of those guys, they're kind of bunched together. But the, they diff- are. the thing they're about all is like, like preseason, they were all like 50 to 75 type guys. And they're, and you look at them now after, I think, again, if you are looking at it, I, you, none of those guys Nick is a Williams, true elite guy. One of them could be, right. you know, any one of those three but, could break through and be a, a star. An now, the interesting, we do not know, again, we, we, we will not know probably, but we do not know if 
the if the Rangers said uh, you can ask about Gallo, and if it was just Gallo for Hamill straight up, we'd tell you no. <laughs> right. You know, we don't know. Right. Maybe it was you know what we'll take Mazzara for. No, we're not doing that. Mazzara's not. You can't do a permutation of this trade that yeah. includes Mazzara. We don't know that, but. What we do know is, is that what this trade had ended up happening, what happened with all these trades this year, by our top midseason top 50, Hector Oliveira is the top prospect who was traded, which I know is a little different and all that. We'll get to that. Yeah. But no top 10 prospect was traded. What the Phillies got is depth of potential, like three guys who all are in double A. Yeah. And the fourth guy, Alec Asher, is in triple A. And no, it's interesting. Right. That, that, so that, that is, I actually would have thought that when I when you when I saw these were the two teams, I was assuming that because the Phillies are pretty strong in international scouting, mm-hmm. and obviously the Rangers are very aggressive in, in and, international signing, I thought this trade would be a lot more. We're going to get one top level guy and three or four lower level guys, and instead they went the other direction, which is more the trend it seems like in the in the industry. And well, I, but usually you see more trades like this, JJ, where you get. Two or three double A guys and one Marcos Deplon type. We were just talking before mm-hmm. the show about how the Brewers traded got Deplon from the Rangers. I would have there been a, a kind of guy like that that maybe the Phillies had liked, but the Rangers would outbid them for that kind of thing. But it didn't seem like that's what the Phillies targeted. Look, so what's interesting to watch with this, and I, I think of those three, Nick Williams is the guy who's obviously helped his stock the most this year. I, I'm, I'm a Nick Williams fan because I do think that he's like if you talk to him. He says, like, I mean, it, I mean, it was a very enjoyable to talk to him at the Futures game and him say, look, when I was in low A, I just went up there. Yeah. And every pitch, oh, I'll just swing hard and maybe I'll hit it. And if I do, you know, and, and now. On a I'm team not, of everyone swinging hard and maybe I'll hit and, it. And I'm not saying that he's like all of a sudden become Wade Boggs who's sitting there staring the pitch <laughs> into the glove and then go, nope, nope. Okay. I'll foul five off and yeah, now I'll get the one. He's not morphing into Joey Votto anytime soon. Right. But he is now to the point where he says, you know what, he, what he said, I, what I'm proud about is, is now, he said, if I get 02 now, I can get a walk. And he didn't say, when I get to 02, I can get to a pitch I can hit. Right. He's confident, which he should be, I'll say with his hands, he should be confident that he can spoil a pitch exactly. that's close. Yep. But he now is confident, you know what, if I get to 3-2, that doesn't mean automatic that I'm swinging to hit the 3-2 pitch. If he... Misses again, I'll take the miss. His approach is so much better now, even if the strikeout to walk numbers aren't. Whereas the walk numbers aren't huge, but it just the strikeouts are down. The, the hard strikeouts contact are down is by up. like ten percent. The yep. walk rates like doubled. That's significant for a guy who's moving up. Usually, you make that jump right. from high A to double A. Those aren't what you see. Right. Alfaro to finish up kind of the Phillies part of this. Alfaro to me is the guy that uh, it's the lottery ticket. That is a high risk, high high reward. The the real questions are is, is that okay, beyond the fact that he has a significant injury this year that you, you never want to see the legs, knees, and feet of a catcher be affected. Right. But what what do you think? Like what do you think he ends up being? Because I, I still have concerns. You can talk about the arm. The arm's great. You can talk about the athleticism. The athleticism right. is outlandish for a catcher. I just think Jorge Alfaro to be just uh, so much of it reminds me of Miguel Olivo. I mean, that's the kind of player I think it's more likely he becomes. You know, it doesn't mean that he... And, and I mean, if he does that, he up, but he does end up being a useful big leaguer then. Right. Makeup is a big separator here, but yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, I think the hopes for him have always been outmoded, outsized because of his tools, but you have to have some skills. He's just not a very skilled player. 
And right. that's and, and at this that, point he has I just a lot s- of games. He has a lot of games behind the plate right. under his belt. And as a receiver, he's still not a polished receiver. Better, but and, not polished. And this is at a time of the game where that is much more scrutinized. He's got, a, he's got a great arm, but the reality is that the great arm is as a catcher. We've seen this. Christian Betancourt like, got up to the big leagues, and it's like, well, wait, he's not what we hoped he was. And it's like, well, he's always been a great arm. I'm not banging on I don't mean to bang on anybody in particular, but just, here's a great approach. So we, we added Teddy Cahill to the staff this year, and Teddy's a big Christian Betancourt guy. And he was like, you know, I thought you guys – Obviously, he worked at MLB.com before, and he said, you know, I thought you guys were really too low on Christian Betancourt, a triple-A catcher, all that. You and I are both like, ah, what does pass he do? balls. What does he of, do well? Right, what does he do well? He has tools, but he was not, for a triple-A player, not particularly skilled. Doesn't walk. Which... And the Braves are not really in it, and they still play A.J. Pruszynski all the time because this guy's just not ready. And that's Alfaro reminds me a lot of Christian Betancourt. He's better, he has better tools. No doubt, he has better but, tools. But he doesn't. But again, and also you're talking about guys who doesn't. And and again, with catchers, I always will say when you look at an offensive profile on the catcher, it's very difficult because yeah. it often takes longer. Correct. A top, you look at a guy and go, "Wow, that guy figured it out." Twenty-eight. It's like, yes, I'm catching bullpens in Texas, you right. know, in the summer every year, in, you know, in Double A. I was in, you know, Myrtle, you know, all these places where you wear down. All right. that makes sense. He doesn't draw a lot of walks yet, and he strikes out a good bit. Again, those are concerns. He's got a nice concerns. pop. He's got a nice pop. He's always got around a 180 ISO. He's always driven the ball. Maybe he winds up a corner outfielder because you want to get the bat to develop a little bit. And his glove but clearly his bat, needs time, JJ. But, but his bat, if he's going to do that, his bat has to take a significant step forward because it's not there yet. Well, he's not a mil- if you want him to be a middle of the order guy. I mean, if he's right. going to be a platoon extra guy, honestly, but that's, his profile if you're resembles from then you're like I'm just saying his yeah. profile reminds me of uh Jeff Francoeur more than anybody else. That's what he looks like. And you look at the numbers, it's like and you talk about the tools, he sounds like Jeff Francoeur, a comp- a, a guy who's a seven-hole hitter on a good team in a good year. That that's what he sounds like. So okay. I mean like and again, hey Jeff Francoeur was better than that in some years. Early in his career, right. but is, is that really what you think Jorge Alfaro should be? I mean, not with those tools. Just like we didn't think we, with those tools, Jeff Francoeur should have been a better player. You know, so that's that's what I think of Alfaro. But, so that's why I like. The funny thing is, is, and I say that to end it, I will say I like the trade though for the Phillies. I do. No, I was going to say the exact same thing. I like their trade too, because I'm not sure outside of Gallo that the Rangers had that one guy. To build that trade Mazzara, around. Mazzara, again, I like Nomar Mazzara a lot. He ranked well in our top midseason yeah. 50. But you are then, you again, you are projecting. And, hey, that there's a lot of reasons to project on Nomar Mazzara. But how much better is he going to be than Nick Williams? I'm not sure. I think he's better than Nick Williams. I think he's a better prospect. But how much better? And how much else could they have but gotten th- by around By the way, him? this is why I love it for the Rangers the side. The Phillies though, needed volume. <laughs> what I love it from the Rangers side is, is that, like, they... Trade away Nick Williams, and then the next day, what do they do? They called Lewis Brinson up from from high A to go to Double A. Now again, Lewis Brinson is in no way a finished product, but Lewis Brinson. The reminder was is you get Lewis Brinson comes up, who by the way is a much better center fielder than Nick Williams, right? And who had he hit in high desert? Well, high desert's high desert, so okay. But you look at that. They got Lewis Brinson. They got Nomar Mazzara. They got Ryan Cordell, yeah, who is by the way, you know, definitely a guy to remember who can really hit. They could trade Nick Williams away and go. Yep, we're we still have outfielders coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, 
Phillies also did get Toronto uh, in the in a deal with Ben yeah. Revere. So the Phillies, I thought, did quite well as a seller. This is to me. We finally got the Phillies. Hey, so you it is, wonder, we have yeah. reached the great thing. If you're a Phillies fan, is is we have finally gone beyond rock bottom. Right. Not just we've reached it, but some things are happening. We're turning now. the corner a little bit. Some yeah. things are finally happening. My, you know, Franco has. Okay, you you got a guy there. Right. Hey, that's that's good. We've got Nola's up, and Nola's not going to be your number one, but Nola could be a very solid pitcher for them for yeah. a good while to go. Yeah. They've now you traded added, Jonathan Papelbon, which you just had to do. You know, you had to. You're do. just turning the page finally. Right. They couldn't find a Ryan Howard taker. You know that there are there are limits to your. You know, the, he cannot you play can, shortstop. Yeah, but there are limits. <laughs> to what long you time do. baseball America inside joke. Um, but, Actually, there is a Ryan Howard who plays shortstop with Team USA. Yes, yes. Wrong Ryan Howard. Yes. Draft eligible last year, and again, that, that, that's like just a bad sign for what shortstops are for next year for the draft. Is if a draft eligible sophomore who did not get drafted well enough to go is the shortstop on the guy who was like the ninth best shortstop in the SEC. I'd this say year. seventh. Would be my <laughs> argument. But, maybe, uh, maybe. Um, but but no, I, I thought that that was you know obviously interesting for the Phillies, but they have turned the page. Rock bottom. It's I, to go to the other, you wanted to bring up the Braves. Let's talk Braves. That's a fascinating one. I'm kind of fascinated by the Braves just because it, it feels like the Braves. Because the other part about the Phillies is that this was like more of a the Phillies didn't. I don't feel like the Phillies got lapped by the industry this year. Like I felt like oh, the I Diamondbacks like, got lapped at the draft oh, I, or other organizations. The, the these kind of things. The Diamondbacks are the one team. The thing that I, I kept tweeting out was is that oh, I felt like the Padres got lapped. Right. Well, you know, at this trade deadline this year, which is. Disappointing. I mean, they had opportunities and they did not maximize their assets. The thing that Bath, the thing that stands out to me now is, is that there are very few trades now. You may like it for one team and say I don't like it for another, but there are very few trades that happen now that you cannot piece together the logic. Every right. organization. It used to be that organizations were so different that trades would happen, and you would go, I don't. This doesn't make any sense for me. Right. And I see it for this side, and I don't for that. And I've got to find out what are they even thinking, or someone who may figure out what they're thinking. The only trade that happened to me in the last two months that you couldn't figure, that out. You couldn't figure out is the Diamondback trading Tuki Tucson. Exactly. Makes no sense at all. Exactly. And by the way, I mean, to, not to pile on, but to pile on, that, as I said at the time, go to JJ Coop 36 I said, if you are a Diamondbacks fan, the thing that is off about this is the only benefit that the Diamondbacks got out of this is the owner's bottom line. And at the time, they said, hey, no, this frees us up. This frees up resources for us to make other moves to get better for this year. Because we have, by the time we get to next year, right, that money's gone or not. Like, you use it for this much. It's not like you all of a sudden say, because you can't spend it. You can't say we got an extra $5 million for player development next year. They can't sign any guys in the international market next year. over the limit because they've already gone over the limit. So you can't do that. So, well, the question is, is what did that money get them? And the answer is, is we've gone past the trade deadline now, and it got them nothing. Nothing. It got but, them nothing. They made one deal this year that made sense to me was trading Mark Trumbo and getting some pieces back from Seattle. And, well, and, well, and well, hey, they needed a catcher. And, so Mark Trumbo, not so good the ship has sailed. And uh, Wellington Castillo has been... Better than uh, the, their previous catching situation, which, which as saying, you detailed, I, was, I kept saying they have to have a catcher at some point. You they know. finally got a catcher, but um, but the Braves trade to me, it just is, it's a, it's remarkable that the Braves really they might be the most creative organization out there right now. But they they are single minded in their focus of high risk, high reward players. They want 
guys with sevens on the card, and and some and payroll flexibility for when they get their new ballpark, and they will stop at nothing to get that those, those kind of players and the players they want. Let me say, Jose Peraza being part of this deal, and I know Braves fans are pulling some Braves fans pulling their hairs out of that. We've had this discussion. Jose Peraza, I think you think the same way. I like Jose Peraza the prospect to an extent. I like him better being traded away from the Braves because him playing shortstop is better than him not being able to play shortstop. That was a good point. You wonder how much he'll ever get to play shortstop with the Dodgers, but yeah. I don't even know if he's going to be a Dodger for long term. This is true as well. He's just a, he is just another asset in a large portfolio of assets if you're the Dodgers. You just love, you do love seeing the Dodgers make use of their money in a way that other organizations can't seem to figure out how to do. It's not that the Red Sox aren't run intelligently or the Yankees don't have smart guys working for them. But this is like, hey, give us your bad contracts as long as you give us talent with it. And that's what the Dodgers are doing. But, and But the thing with Peraza on that is, is Peraza is Peraza is unlikely to be a significant impact player. There's a lot There's just not of, enough impact in the bat. What do you hope if you if you like Jose Peraza a lot, you hope that it's gonna be a batting average derived value. If he, right. It's basically if you're in the ideal world, he's Jose Altuve at Jose Altuve's best. Where if he hits a high enough average, that's that, a good. That's a good. Everything. If he yeah. hits three thirty, well, then he's got three seventy on base or three eighty on base, and it's then a three eighty to four hundred slugging, and he steals bases, right. and he plays it up the middle defensive position. Well, that's a great player, right? But that's a lot of pressure. If he hits two seventy, two seventy is a good. Nowadays is a good average, right? If he's a two seventy three twenty three forty guy. If he's a, that's like a nine, the difference between like a 90 to 95 ops plus guy. Like in his best years, he's going to be like a 115 OPS plus guy. He doesn't have the power. Right. Okay. He doesn't even have Altuve's power. Now you contrast that. He's Luis Castillo for me with fewer walks. Now you contrast that to what the Braves were looking at with Hector Oliveira. And they, right. clearly, they love Hector Oliveira. I know there's a lot of people are focusing on he's 30. They clearly believe, look, you look at the contract. Now that we've taken the bonus out of it, right? The contract's a good contract for us. Yep. And we think that he, you they plug should get him value in, out of the last four years of that deal. You plug him in, and you expect you're getting 280, 350, 450, 20 homers. Yeah. That's what as they're a second baseman potentially, or third, and probably or third, third base, probably right. third for them. But as a third baseman, okay. They that all makes sense to me. I will say the Alice Wood part of this makes me think. I remember years ago, Tommy Hansen all of a sudden was available. That's right. You want Tommy Hansen? You can have Tommy Hansen. You want Tommy Hansen? Jar Jurgens. Do you want Jar Jurgens? I think every Brave was was available this time of year, though, because Julio Tehran was available. I don't see an obvious reason to trade Julio Tehran. But I do wonder with Alex Wood if they will see whether it proves it or not. If they believe we have seen peak Alex Wood. Yeah. And because what happened, I mean, Braves have had guys like this. Jar Jurgens was good in his young, early 20s and was done not that long after. Now yeah, again, he's like kicking around the International League now, isn't he? And then you look at it. Tommy Hansen, Tommy Hansen came up with a delivery that was not normal. Bow and arrow. He definitely wasn't as... Uh, he got more rigid the more he but, got. But it was not free. It was never free and easy. It was right. never like he does it easy, any of that. But he dominated. Got to the big league. He was a good big league pitcher. And then very quickly after that, some velo backed up. And he was not nearly the pitcher he was. And we'll, you know, again, we'll see. Maybe Alex Wood has another five, great five, ten years. And his him. strikeout rate really plummeted this year. But his delivery has always been one that yep. causes concerns. 
I can't help but think that maybe the Braves think, you know what? We think we're getting out of the Alex Wood game at the peak here. I think the main thing is, to, to me, I just felt like the Braves really loved Hector Oliveira. And they clearly do. They clearly do. And they wanted to get out from under the Arroyo contract. Was they, they were looking to get out of that as soon as they, they could. You know, I don't know how much of that they're picking up. But they didn't get out of that much of They also, like, they, like, to them, Jim Johnson was like found money, which is great. Mm-hmm. Turn that into a little bit of value. To me, like, really, the, to them, the only thing, guy they're really giving up here of value to them is Alex Wood. And they're giving a Peraza value. to an extent. But I don't, I think that they, again, I think that the old Braves regime loved Peraza. The new ones did not see him as an impact guy. He's not seven, so they don't. Right. I don't, I don't think they, they, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't want the, they don't, the want the, they don't want the single. They, hey, Peraza's right. a single or double. They want a homer or a strikeout. And they think that Ozzy Alves, uh, Alves is a potential home run. Peraza's not that guy defensively, so I'm not saying they devalued him, but in their minds, really... They got out again while they wanted to. Right. That's, again, we'll see. I understand where Braves fans are like, I don't understand this. I would have liked the Braves have gotten a little more. I do love Zach Bird. I think Zach Bird is a long play here. He is a guy. He's just, and he's he's a a long play physically. he's a guy who could be a six or a seven. It wouldn't shock me if a Braves pro scout or two had put some very big numbers on Zach Bird. This guy's really raw. I think his dad played for the New York Jets. Uh, so he's more of a football guy as an amateur. This guy's got a big-time body, big-time fastball. It's a big arm that needs some time to develop. And right now the Dodgers don't have time to develop him, and the Braves do. So uh, I like that play for the Braves as well. I don't understand what the Marlins are doing other than shedding salary uh, and just doing the same I mean, three-month cycle, just the whims of Jeffrey Loria, JJ, that, I mean, I, I, I don't think they're very good at not spending money. I think they're very – because they spend it and they don't spend it. They spend it and they don't spend it. I w- how can you have a fan? How can you have invested fans? Contrary to popular belief, that actually is part of what you're trying to do as a major league organization: is have invested fans, and they have none, none. And anytime you try to be invested in that organization, they trade player. I, Look, it, here, here's I, the bad combo. That's an impossible organization to root for, Here, frankly. Here's the bad combo. You look at this in the trade. Like on that, what did they do? They got rid of money. Yeah, that's all. I mean, and when you do that. You're not going to get a whole lot back when you're, I mean, hey, you want Michael Morris's contract? The Dodgers clearly said, we don't want Michael Morris. We don't right. need Michael Morris. We're going to get him and designate him for assignment. Even that, though, you know what? To me, it's not ideal. You want a team that needs to build through player development. You want them to be acquiring talent and being willing to eat salary. Yeah. That part is painful. The part that makes it egregious to me is, Oh yeah, by the way, and we've got to make this work. We have to throw in a compensatory or competitive exactly. balance. Exactly. in a row. Again. They are the like the, the, again it just feels like they're playing checkers. And well, other, but, I don't, I mean, I don't I understand again, how they're, they're they... not playing checkers. They're playing a game where it's like you guys are focused on this and we are focused on we gotta get our bottom line. If we do not win <laughs> I, I'll put it this way. It always feels like with the Marlins. A lot of teams go into the season, and the hope is, is you know what? If we're in it at the deadline, we're gonna what? Where our limits now? This, but if we're in it at the deadline, we'll be able to get an extra five mil, right? To play with, right? Like again, the Royals are playing with more money than they thought they would at the start of the year. Hey, we're drawing fans, you know all this. We can bump it up a little. The Marlins are the team that they start with a number. It feels like, and then when they get to the midpoint of the season, if they're not winning. That number's less that than number what goes they thought. down by thirty million. It's like, oh no! By the way, we got to shed this. It's not even so much that. It's like 
well, we have to, you know, we have to make a profit this year if we're not going to win. We have to make a very significant profit. And here's the other problem. There's, there's, the what, other what's problem. the good thing they've done but here's the as other an organization problem. since 2003? Oh, well, here's the thing. The crazy thing is, is what the good things they've done is, is they've drafted Giancarlo Stanton and they've drafted Jose Fernandez. That's, I mean, which... It's, just, it's very frustrating. But, I know there are good people there and all that, but, but I mean... But here's the other problem with that, though, is, is their farm system right now is... It's in bad shape. It's horrible. Yeah, it's in bad shape. If you said right now, ask me, what's the worst farm system in baseball right now? Again, we haven't done, this is not us sitting at the end in the season. You mean Kyle Bearclaw doesn't change your opinion of this? But I like Kyle, but no. <laughs> um, but, Dang it, Kyle. But if you look at it right now, again, on a quick scan, I did the Marlins midseason update. It's brutal. There were, if you ask me, position players who are going to be who are going to be big league regulars and have a good chance to do that, I might be able to give you one. I might. They I have might. that many? I mean, it really, it's just you, not Do a... you like Brian Anderson as kind of that fringe guy who bounces around? I actually Probably. do like Brian Anderson. That's, actually, that's, that's about it. I, I actually do like him. But, okay, you go to pitchers, and it's like, um, you know, they got some guys who are going to be arm, pens, you know, arms in the pen. That it's It's... There's very little to I do be... like Anthony Seymour. I don't like uh, Justin Twine. <laughs> right, but Anthony Seymour is right now... Far, far away. Four to five years away, and you're hoping that that track goes the way you hope it goes. I mean, that's there's very little that you can count on there to say, hey, I'm, I'm confident that this is going to work out well. You like, you hope it does. But, and they, again, the guy they drafted in the first round this year, Josh Naylor, that could work out great. That but was that an overdraft. Was a, that was an overdraft, and that is a guy who he better hit for power. Correct. Because if he doesn't, there's there's just not value there. I will say Avery Romero has picked it up since uh, he had a good July. He had a good but July, I mean, but again, Avery Romero. He, he's an all bat. He's a bad first. He's a Dan Ugla wannabe. And if you're gonna be, if your profile is you need to be Dan Ugla, you got to hit a little bit more than than Avery Romero. You got to do a little bit more than have a good July. So right. yeah, I agree there. They're an organization. I don't know what their organization plan is. I don't know what they're what they stand for. I don't know what would you say. What they Marlins? stand for is is what they stand for is is Cutting we have calls. Giancarlo Stanton, we have Jose Fernandez, and again the funny thing and, is, is and they have, they have Christian their, Yelich. But their big Hachimaria. league club right now, their big league club. What's crazy about it is is has it's, pieces. It's, it has pieces. Like if you said an outfield of Yelich, Ozuna, and Stanton, that's not terrible. I agree, JJ. We're going to take gonna a take quick a pause break, and, and we'll back. come right back after this on the Baseball America podcast. All right, we're back on the Baseball America podcast. Sorry for the quick break. Uh, I had a radio show had to do. Radio. Yeah, I had to uh, get that out of the way. Thankfully, it was only a seven-minute one. <laughs> Not like you guys care. Uh, but in those in those seven minutes of recording, it feels that, like it's been like ten seconds. Exactly. And it was actually seven minutes. But in that span, we did get some questions uh, on Twitter at John Manuel BA. He's at JJ Coop thirty six. We've kind of asked and answered a couple of these. How improved is the Phillies well, I was farm? Say Vincent Ruff at Vincent Ruff asked yep. how improved the Phillies farm. We've covered that. It's significantly improved. This is again the thing that we haven't even talked about. That the one addition I'll make is is all this sets up because you've got J.P. Crawford. You've got one of look when you're talking about again depth one of the top is great, five guys. but you've got one of the top five guys in the minors. You've got one of the you basically have. The Phillies have one of those. They weren't going to be selling any. They weren't going to be trading to acquire Big League Town anyway. But they have one of the untouchables. That's right. You probably don't trade J.P. Crawford in almost any of these deals. What it is is when you have an organization like the Phillies, when you're rebuilding, 
you would like for your Franklin Kilomays and your Ricardo Pintos and your Carlos Tochis to not have all the Tochis have a nice step forward this year to not have to be in your top ten. Right. You'd like to have some depth um, where those guys are a little me. bit later. I'm blanking on the, uh, Roman, the short Quinn. Stuff. Roman Quinn. Roman Quinn, but Mal- Malquin Canelo's had a really nice year. I know Josh Norris very high on him. But now you have the depth uh, with these guys. They, where those guys are more your 6 to 15 as opposed to like half to be in your top 10. And the other thing, some of these non-sexy trades that they did. But they've also added a number of guys in the past year that you hope that you get a couple out of. Okay, between Ben Lively and Zach Eflin and guys like that. Right. You hope. You can't count on – you may win the lottery and one of those guys ends up being a front-line guy. If you did, you're, you did great scouting, you did great development, and you're living right. Yep. But if one or two of those guys ends up being a number four for you who gives you, you know, a solid – if he gets someone – one of those guys gives you league average for three years at 500000 to 600000 per year yeah. in salary, that is massive benefit. And again – those are if the, if Ben Lively and Zach Eflin come up next year and the Phillies aren't any good next year, they're still getting there's still pieces that are going to be good when you hope to be good right. in seventeen or eighteen right. or nineteen. And Nick Pavetta, another nice arm they got mm-hmm. for Jonathan Papelbon from the from the uh, Nationals, who of Again. course refused to use Papelbon this weekend against the Mets. Oddly enough, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, you know, but yes, yeah, so that's that's one. Uh, then the next one we got uh, at Snowborn three one one. Jonathan Gronsky asks. With Nick Williams getting traded, how does quick does Brinson move through the minors? As you mentioned, he was immediately promoted up to Double A. Right, he doesn't move quick because Lewis Brinson still has some work to do. He's again a guy who massive tools, skills are starting to develop. High risk, high ceiling guy. Again, the thing I've said, I was doing, I did Kansas City radio a, a good bit last week, and there was Bubba Starling questions. Yeah, who had a great week, had a hit for the cycle last week. The thing I'll say with Lewis Brinson that I said about Bubba Starling is, is the great thing about it is, is if you are a center fielder who can provide value defensively, base running, yep. all those things, it lowers, for one, it lowers what you need to be to be a big leaguer. Right. Drew Stubbs had some pretty significant holes. He's a longtime great, big leaguer. Why? Call. Because he can do things that even though... He can, can help you win a game and more without his bat. Right. He can go over he four with two, four strikeouts and still help you win baseball games. Right. And That's not he, preferred, but he can do right. it. So that you get a you get a higher floor there in some ways because they can do those things. Lewis Brinson has those kind of skills, and what you hope happens with that is is that while he gets those abs and all, something clicks, Sur- and when it clicks, he becomes really something pretty interesting. He's got survival survival tools. He's got the speed and the defense to again help even minor league teams hey, help your pitchers develop all those things. Meanwhile, get those at bats and start seeing to the give ball the better. Rangers credit to give the Rangers credit on a guy they picked up. This is one of the best Rule 5 drafts we've had in a long, long... Very productive Rule 5 draft in terms of role players. Right. Justin Moore, you know, the minor league Rule 5 pick who's been, you know... That was a couple years ago, Yeah, but you were saying... But still, yeah. yeah. Mark Hanna. But Mark Hanna's been good. But Delino DeShields with the Rangers. Yeah. What allows him to stick... He's not a great center fielder. But what allowed him to stick is, is that he had some defensive versatility... He did some things where you go, we can put him on the roster. Right. And then once he got on the roster, he started doing enough things that you go, he's actually pretty valuable to yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. And he starts figuring things out, even in the course of a year. Delano Shields, again, you're talking about that 
you know, excellent athleticism. He's yeah. a little different kind of athlete. Yeah. Louis Brinson looks more like what you think of when you he think of He looks more like Delano DeShields' senior son right. than Delano Jr. Who Delano looks like a running I mean, he right. looks he like, like a running back. He looks like not just a running back. He looks like the like the short power back. I was say, he looks like Darren Sproles. Maurice Jones Drew, even yeah, though, with go. little smaller thighs. <laughs> well, yeah. Everyone has smaller thighs than me. Exactly. Jones, except for Robert Newhouse. <laughs> I didn't go there, but Deep I pull. knew that you would go there, and I knew that you would appreciate it if I had gone Cannon, there. But uh, you know, but uh, biggest thighs in football. But um, <laughs> uh, but you know, now we sound a little bit too much like Clint Longenecker. But, but uh, yes, I do think that the uh, I th- to go back to our Twitter questions, we both do think the Phillies improved their farm system fairly significantly, and I do think that Lewis Brinson's progress uh, has been pretty impressive this year. I just was checking his home road splits. He actually hit better on the road than he did at home in high desert. Uh, and now he, he promoted a double A. Let's see what happens there. But the tools are there. Um, I like the Drew Stubbs comp for him. I think he's a very similar kind of player. Uh, and then we also had Major Rebooter at Major Miggy tweeting, Do the Tigers do better, worse, or average with their haul than you would have expected? JJ, I thought they did better than expected. And again, it's pitchers, uh, Fulmer, Sessa, Laborte, Futures Gamer, Hyro Laborte. Matt Boyd, Daniel Norris. But then I love the X Factor of Jacoby Jones. First of all, he's a perfect Tigers guy, SEC performer. That's what the Tigers love the draft. Check. So he checks that the box. The only, only unfortunate thing is, is he's not an SEC performer pitcher. who is a pitcher right. who they think can start, but many think is a reliever. That would be that more is than the full Tigers bingo. It know. would. But, um, yeah, the Tigers uh, probably will not try so hard to force Jacoby Jones into shortstop because they have Jose Iglesias. So maybe he's Jacoby not, he's Jones. He's not moving. He's not yeah. moving. Jose Iglesias. So up. maybe Jacoby Jones goes to second base. Maybe he goes to center field or a corner. I think Jacoby Jones can be a big leaguer. There's a lot of strikeouts there, but this guy does impact the baseball. He's like the anti Peraza. He does not have bad control, but when he hits it, the ball stays hit a lot more than when Jose Peraza hits it. I mean, I'm not even sure he's a big leaguer because there's a lot of swing and miss to his game. But he's the kind of guy you do take a flyer on in and this kind you, of trade. What you, to me, what you do with him is, is you don't pick a position. Yeah. You say with him, we are going to play you all around. I, I agree. You have the athleticism. We think you can do it. You may not even be average at a lot of these positions, but you will be where we can play you there. And what we hope is is that what it allows us is, is if, again, when you talk about a trade like this, if he ends up being a guy who spins, you know, in an ideal situation even, he spends a lot of time at AAA for yeah. you, but then you have an injury and you go, we could play him at second base, for, you know. For you know who next. I think he is? I think he's actually a better version of this player. He reminds me a lot of Ryan Rayburn. That's the kind of player he's going to be. A guy who, if he hits enough to be a regular, you're going to stick him in left field because mm-hmm. he he could be a good left fielder, but you don't want him to. But anywhere else, he'll stress if you put him in center. You know. Right, that's it. But but I think that he can be that kind of player, and that's a useful player. That, that to me, that's just my quick thumbnail but, sketch. Jacoby Jones. He's a more athletic Ryan Rayburn, but that's he's going to be that kind of big leaguer. So but, I, I like him for for two months of Joachim Soria. It, the, the question that was asked there is: Is do you, you did you think their return? I thought that they did on the David Price deal. Yeah. I'll put it this way: I had to sit there and think long and hard. Okay, did they give up more than they got back? And I think when it all got done, I know Drew Smiley's had essentially a wasted year this year. Yeah. But if you go off what Drew Smiley did the second half of the year last year, they gave up more. I think they gave up more. Because Willie Adame sounds really, really interesting. But Daniel Norris is a, I'll say this, 
They got it's hard to compare because Drew Smiley was a big leaguer last year, right? And then they got Willie Adamas, and this year they got the it, it, Daniel Norris is the premium guy in it, and he's a prospect. But Daniel Norris is a better prospect right now than Willie Adamas was last year, and it's not definitely close. it's not close. You're, You're right. You're talking about one guy who was very intriguing guy in Low A versus a guy who has pitched in the big leagues, right? Is in Triple A. Yeah, again, and it's not like Daniel Norris really like, completely failed in the big right. leagues. He does have, I I would say, it's a fairly persistent track record of he can he can show you fastball control. He does not have fastball command, and he may. And there's questions with the delivery whether he ever will. Right, but it's electric stuff. Then you again you throw in the flyer type. Uh, we had him as really. If you don't count Hector Oliveira as a prospect, he Daniel was, Norris was the best prospect acquired. Yeah. So I thought the Tigers did very well to get someone of Daniel Norris's caliber, and Labor and Boyd, I think, could be and guys who have at least know, careers of some duration. The thing that you've got to, with these with these starting pitchers who are in the upper levels, I, I thought that I have is is you can't go too crazy one way or another when they have a good month or a bad month because. Like, let's just say... That's a very good way to put it. Let's look at where we are right now at this moment. A little digression here. But Jonathan Gray, John Gray was just come, pulled up to the big leagues. Yeah. Coming off of... Pretty good week, by the way, for tr- pr- prospect pitching promotions. We're going to have Gray, Henry Owens, and Luis Severino right. all this week. And by the way, Luis Severino, we'll, that'll be a digression we'll do it another time. Excited, we'll get to excited the Yankees. about that one. You know, we'll get to the Yankees at some point, even though they didn't make many trades. But you look at it and you say, okay... John Gray, if we rewound the clock to mid-May, a lot of people were worried about John Gray. Correct. And when we did the mid-season update, we were a little bit worried about John Gray. Right. What do we do with John Gray? You know, and there was people that you know, and look, John Gray overall, John Gray has not been as dominant in the minors. There's just no other way to put it. Him and I mean, let's put them together. Not, I know I tweeted about Mark Appel. Him and Mark Appel been, yeah, been, been less been, spectacular of a. They've of been a massively yeah. disappointing from this this standpoint. They're, Look, if you are a premium, Carlos Rodon exactly. Carlos Rodon said, "Oh, the miners here. Okay, let me get a, an outing in High A, an outing in Charlotte." Okay, here I am. I'm ready to go. I mean, no doubt the White Sox handle their pitchers a little bit more right. cavalierly but than Carlos most teams. Rodon, but Carlos Rodon is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be in the minor leagues for a cup of coffee and then get to the big leagues and stay. But just rewind it. Tim Lincecum. I yep. know that's, that's a premium example. But Tim Lincecum, Tim Lincecum went through the minors in like an hour and a half. That's right. Exactly. And Mark even Pryor. Guys, Mark Pryor. But even the guys, let's go the other way. Okay, the, no one. Steven Strasburg. But no one. Take is more patient with their pitchers than the race. No one is more slow walks them than right. the race. You're right. But David Price. That's right. David Price is that premium, that top five pitch college pitcher. He shows up in the minors and he's David Price. Right. And you go anytime he goes out. Yes, there's some minor things we're working on here, but David Price is David Price. And basically, in year one, David Price was. Oh, we, he can help us, and he can help us in the big leagues right now. And he did. And he did. Now he came back to the minor leagues for a little college for a month of fastball command and locating the slider. But once he was, that's the raise. Most other teams would have let him do but, that in the big leagues. But okay, so let's even go. Let's try to find examples like this. Let's go. Justin Verlander. It took a little bit longer. Hey, but even just, Brian Mattis, who wound up being kind of a disappointment, he tore through the minor leagues. Whereas You're, if not, you look at it with. Right now, we are looking at that. I mean, again, obviously, Chris Sale's in our exam. Chris Sale, again, the White Sox, we've got yeah. Chris Sale's like, 
I don't know if we can find pictures of Chris Sales in a minor league <laughs> uniform in our Probably archives. Probably not. Because it was Probably like, not. if you didn't have a guy out there at the right time, he was gone. He was already in the big leagues. You look at it, Jonathan Gray, Mark Appel right now have significantly more starts than most top five pick college pitchers who ended up being really good. Because yeah, you broke all that down with regard to Appel, and it was kind of startling how... Mark Appel has, again, if you went 2000 to, I can't say present, because you can't count on a guy who was drafted this year or last year. We're saying the first two and a half years, pro years of their career. Right. That's where we are. You know, like at the end of their sec their second full season, the second full season plus that year they were drafted. Right. But Mark so Mark Appel's not there. He has 48 career minor league outings, 47 starts now. And Mark Appel has the worst ERA. Now, again, he pitched in Lancaster, but Mark Appel has the worst ERA of any top 10 college pitcher, top 10 draft college pitcher from 2000 to present from what we're talking about. Like top 10 pick, just look at their minor league numbers through That's their 523 first. for him currently. If you take Lancaster out of it, which you can't take it completely out because he did pitch there, and there are guys who've had success there. But if you take Lancaster out of it, you basically cut a run from it. Right. So, okay, hey, we take that out, and now it's a four. It's a, still not good. It's still not good. Jonathan Gray has not been that. But Jonathan Gray has, for every dominant outing Jonathan Gray's had in the minors, Jonathan Gray has had an equally number where he was pretty poor. Rammy cacked. To right. use an old uh, BA term. So, again... 382 career ERA for John uh, Gray. And again, John Gray, who's also pitched in some places. Albert Neither Gray of these guys went did the Midwest League in April to the FSL, right. to the Eastern League in April, right. to the... You know, I mean, again, they went through the more difficult pattern. They did. But that being said, there's no way to say that both of these guys are not on a slower and, so far, less impressive track than what you look for from the college pitcher who you draft top three in both of their cases, where yeah. you say, you really are then saying, okay, by mid, by mid year of their, of their first full pro season, you hope to be saying we're holding them back. Let's put it this way on Mark Appel. Mark Appel's a 2009 high school class draft pick. So that's the year Zach Wheeler was drafted. Mm -hmm. That's the, he was the second high school pitcher drafted that year. Um, first one was Matt Hopgood. We're going to skip over that. Shoulder by shoulder. That's the year Jacob Turner, Tyler Matzik. These are the high school pitchers that went out that year. Matt Perk. Um, we know, you know, Chad James, Shelby Miller. These guys are known quantities. Correct. That's what I'm saying. We know. Jose Fernandez is a known quantity. Jose Fernandez was not. Even, Jose Fernandez was barely in the States at that point. Right. I mean, we know what happened to all these guys. I think we can say with some confidence by this time that the best high school pitcher out of that group, it was it was debated that year, it was hotly debated, it's going to be Shelby Miller. Maybe it was because he was drafted by the Cardinals. Uh, a variety of factors. The Braves certainly haven't hurt. He pitched well for the Braves as well. But he's the best guy there. Maybe Zach Wheeler would challenge him for it. But he's already had Tommy John. Right. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But, that, but that's Mark but Appel was but that high school class. And Mark Appel and by the way, then you throw out, okay, you've done that. Now go forward, because do remember also, he didn't sign. Right. Let's but go Mark Appel was also part, you know, he's done this rodeo again. Right. Let's go to the 2012 college draft. Just to do the his peers in the college class that year and what we know about them. 
Mike Zanino. He's an established regular. Kevin Gossman. but he is established regular. Kevin Gossman has been, for lack of a better word, fooled with a little bit by the by the Orioles to, to maximize their roster some ways. But right now, he's like the Orioles' number two starter, it feels like, after resurgent Chris Tillman. And he's been up now for uh, effectively now um, we don't, quite a while. Now, we don't know Kyle Zimmer because he's been hurt. But that's a problem but with Kyle we know, Zimmer. We know, we know of Kyle Zimmer that he's been hurt enough that it's a definite concern. Right. But even like Andrew Heaney has shown you some flashes of the big league more than Mark Appel. He was drafted right after Mark Appel. And he didn't have nearly the high ceiling. Marcus Stroman's been hurt. He's still giving you more value from what he did last year. And he's like a foot shorter than Appel. I right. mean, like, Again, people didn't this, want to like him. I mean, there's some, but we also know that Chris Stratton is really going to be. If he's not a bust, it'll be a surprise by right. this point. Michael Waka. Hello, I forgot. I skipped over Michael Waka. The point being, these are his peers. We know right. what most the, the of these point, guys are by now. This is a digression, but the point is, is with both of these guys, this is a true digression, is, is that don't be expecting the moon out of gray or Appel well, exactly. because the track record for guys who college guys who take that long is rarely that they end up setting the world on fire. That's right. But that's, that's all I to take I'm you going back, with. So this was a digression of a digression, which is is that, though, like, Robert Stevenson's another guy who, if you look at this in mid-May, you go, wow, he's walking the moon. What happened? And now you look at it, and he's in AAA, and he's dominating in his first couple of AAA starts, and you go, okay. So the point being on all this is is that Daniel Daniel Norris has had moments of dominance like he's had moments that concern you. And so altogether when you say, like, is that the arm? If I'm trading away David Price and Daniel Norris is the key guy I'm getting back, that makes some sense to me because right. you know what? I'm looking at them and saying, I know that Daniel David Price is going to be gone at the end of the year. Daniel Norris may not be David Price because he's not, probably not going to be, but he may give me a mid-rotation starter yeah. real soon. That's right. That's right. And, you know, this guy's not Robbie Ray, to put it back in another mm-hmm. Tigers mm-hmm. Uh, uh, context. There's a lot more... There's, there. there's a lot more there. He's got much better breaking ball than Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. And even Robbie Ray's had some nice bounce back this year with Arizona. Um, I did want to, we mentioned the Tigers. Um, I did want to mention, I wanted to touch on the Rockies real quick, JJ, about what they got back for Toysilowitzki. Because this is interesting. Tanoko, who we talked about, Jesus Tanoko, Miguel Castro, Jeff Hoffman, Jose Reyes. They did not immediately turn around and flip Reyes elsewhere. I thought they would. Um, I know Jerry Krasnick wrote at ESPN.com today about August trades. Would you take a chance on uh, a Jose Reyes if you were a contending team? Say you're the Yankees. Yes. Who get no offensive shortstop. Wouldn't you take a chance on Jose Reyes yes. if you could sneak him through in August? Yes. I gotta imagine you gotta sneak you can sneak him through. I mean, it's not an easy contract. I um, mean, but beyond this, if you're the Yankees and you do that, that also gives you another option because I mean, you have at least D. Gregorius. As he, he's not, he's never going to be an offensive force, probably. Right. That being said, he's standing there shortstop, and you go, okay, this is not our issue. Because our issue is over here is the giant sucking vortex of second base, which Whew. has been, I mean, I'll put it this way. It's bad. The best way to put it is, is that they made a minor trade for Dustin Ackley. At this point, I hate to say it, but it's a minor it's trade. It's a minor trade. They make a minor trade for Dustin Ackley, and the immediate thought is, Ackley may end up being, could end up being a good option for them at second base. Oh yeah, by the way, he hasn't played second base in effectively two seasons. And I'm going, 
Well, he, he might end up being their best option at second base. They're brutal over there. It, it does surprise me that the Yankees are 14 games over 500, and that they didn't make more of a deal than way, going out and getting It also Ackley. isn't when we say that you have to be strong up the middle. I've um, proven that wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> you just have to be strong. You have to have, you know, you, you know, you have to get a, a bounce back year from your, uh, you know, your, your 40 year old, uh, uh, DH and your 35 year old first baseman. That yes. doesn't hurt. To, sh- to share having 29 bombs does not hurt. I, 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 I never, uh. But if, if, again, if you got Reyes for them in, in August and you said, you know what, right. Reyes are shortstop and then all of a sudden Didi Gregorius may become your, you know what, we're going to put you at second and right. you'll be a great defender and, you're not going to be worst offensively in what we've been getting out of there. I mean, you're a better defender. So it just surprised me that the Yankees didn't do more. I was I was somewhat impressed with what the Rockies did. I do wonder what they'll do with Jose Reyes because I have to imagine that most teams figure. And if you're Josh Rutledge, I also wonder like, well, now he's could, gone, right? Yeah. And you have to think, what do I have to do yeah. here? You know, I get I, I'm there at second he's base. Been traded again, right? So he was at, he was he was drafted as a shortstop, and you're like, well, great, I got drafted by a team that has Tulowitzki at shortstop. You go to the big leagues as a second baseman, you do f- okay, you did fairly well, mm-hmm. but DJ LeMahieu comes along and, and hits the way, you know, the scouts who always of, believed in him. Speaking of, uh, nice pickups. Yeah, know. absolutely. But the scouts who always believed in LeMahieu, I wasn't, uh, talking to those scouts. I heard I, of actually, them. Actually, in the FSL, I, I ranked him, uh, okay. cause, cause DJ LeMahieu, those DJ LeMahieu and Ryan Flaherty, nice. who were both there, and it's like, I don't know which one's a second, I don't know which one plays third. That's who I thought he was. I thought he was a Ryan Flaherty type. But I preferred Flaherty because of the power. But LeMahieu, now he's had an all-star appearance. He's, he's made himself a nice big leaguer. So Rutledge was kind of blocked all this. He goes back to AAA, gets traded. What, has he been traded twice now? I was going to say, he gets traded to the Angels. I mean, this is hey, this is what's on Josh Rutledge, though. He gets traded to the Angels. And, yeah, there was and opportunity they, And there. there was, I mean, it's on then. At that point, it's on him because you got traded to the Angels. And they did, they traded him away because it was like, well, we don't need you. That's uh, I'm not sure that being traded by the Angels is really like if if Mike Sosha and his one man scouting department of Mike Sosha are the ones saying you can't play, maybe, maybe that's not exactly a, but, a ding on you. But to back up, I mean, I I do think Jose is to me much more likely that Trevor Story is going to be the Rocky shortstop right. of 16, 17, 18 than right. Jose Reyes. And, and at the very least, to okay, let's see if you could do this, Trevor Story. And so and I, by I, the way, I wonder about what happens a good situation Reyes. for him. Okay, Trevor Story, see if you can do this here in a park that your offensive numbers is going to help him a little bit. Yeah, you've exactly. got pop. You're not, you're not exactly playing in the, in the Eastern League anymore. Um, so I'm really, but, I'm, no, but the other part that's interesting to me is, is they went and look, the Rockies have a almost unsolvable puzzle. I think they feel like yeah. this is where, like, I think they feel like, look, we've tried this and it didn't work. We've tried this and it didn't work. And so, they go, when you talk about a team that goes back and forth. Yeah. Let's try drafting all high school third basemen. Okay. Now they've, they've got that on, uh, on lockdown. They don't know what to do as far as, okay, how do you develop pitching for here? Obviously, we didn't even mention Brendan Rodgers. Tre- Trevor Stories, right. let's see if you can do this until Brendan gets here. Right. And because I say that, though, because Rodgers is probably yeah. at this point several, you would think. A couple years away, probably. Yeah. But, so now they're going back to, because they, they know, again, they've always said, we're never... Denny Nagels aside, that's the, the sign that we will never, never sign free agent pitchers. That being said, so you got to develop them. Yep. You can either do this a couple ways. You can say we're just going to try to outslug everyone and we'll have fringe average pitchers at best. That, or, that worked for them once. Right. Or Also known as the Marvin Freeman era. Right. Or <laughs> you can say we will try to develop and then also acquire. 
This is what they clearly did here. Again, I don't know the position players. There weren't many out there. They didn't have a whole lot of choice if you said, we're going to make a big deal. They could have done right. that deal and said, instead, we're building it around Anthony Alford and guys like that. But, but that being said, Jeff Hoffman now becomes... And let me, a little aside on Hoffman. Here's my concern on Hoffman. The good news for him going to Colorado is, is I do think that he can generate ground balls, which is good. Yep. He's got amazing stuff. Jeff Hoffman, though, is not a bat misser. I mean, that's never been really what he does. Like, Correct. Now, that is the not good... His, as, that is not his M.O. He throws hard, but that was always my... When we discussed him v. Rodon as the top college pitcher of the 2014 draft Rodin class. always has missed that. Exactly. And and forever. That's it. That's and, what and he Jeff does Hoffman, for to his, his DNA. Career, Jeff Hoffman in the minors, which is a very short sample right now, but Jeff Hoffman in the minors... You've got it up probably. It's like what? Six seven? and a half. Six and a half. Okay. And you can say, of course, you know what? Small sample size, but it was six and a half or seven in college. Well, I was going to say, but you take us three years of college and it was seven to seven and Even a half. Even in the Cape. Up. You know, it's not, again, when you think of, the best way to put it is, is when you think of your normal frontline A's, which you kind of hope that Jeff Hoffman becomes, Jeff Hoffman does not strike out guys like that. I you think could he's say, a, I think he's like a better version of Eddie Butler. But he's more similar to Eddie Butler than he is to, say, what they think they might have in Jonathan Gray, who has 43 strikeouts in 27 innings this past month in July in AA, in AAA. Right. Or even a Kyle Freeland if he's ever healthy, which I love Kyle Freeland, but he's disappointing least, that he hasn't been healthy this he, year. At least he's on the mound now. Yay. That's good. But, you know, but again, it is something where that's the concern with him. But, you know, again, hey, you if you get Jeff Hoffman, it's, you, you want Jeff Hoffman in a deal like this. I mean, Jeff Hoffman has loads of upside, all that. That's the concern. That's the thing to watch for. Is that now again? If you want to take the other side of that, hey, if you're pitching in Coors Field and you're striking a lot of guys out, you're probably going to throw a lot of five to six inning outings where you right. go at the end of those six innings. You go, I'm really tired. Yeah, you know, that's that's the altitude plus more pitches. That's going to be a little rough. But that's again, that's what we're talking about. The difference there. Again, I'll say throw out the pro number somewhat. He's working on a little bit of different things, and he's just coming off of TJ. There, but it was true in college too. But really, you do exactly. You do wonder like what was what what will work there. I don't think it's a bad idea to try extreme power sinker ballers. That's what he is. I think he is a better version of Eddie Butler. I, I like him quite a bit, but yeah, don't go there expecting him to be. May, may you know to me like who's the most. I don't know if you'd say iconic, successful pitcher in Rockies history was Aaron Cook. Aaron Cook, to me, probably their best pitcher. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm looking at you because the thing that just goes through my mind is, is I mean, it's Aaron Cook. We, I think we've it's been him. here long enough at Baseball America that we've pretty much gone through the entire Jeff Francis career at this point, and we were having Jeff these, Francis gold medal winner. We were having these discussions years ago when it was minor league player of the year. Yeah, and years ago now and the concern was is, is like you know Jeff Francis I mean you can't argue the numbers Jeff Francis has had as good a year at that year statistically as someone could have and Jeff Francis was I mean again he wasn't the David Price pitching prospect but he was very much like in a in the elite pitching prospect who you knew what he was going to be but he was really good version of that all those right. things and Jeff Jeff Francis was essentially Chewed up and spit out by Coors Field. See, here's why I say Aaron Cook because Aaron Cook oh, I agree. at his peak, 2006, 2009, 
116 ERA plus, and he averaged 187 innings per year. For the altitude, that's awesome. For that, you know what? To, because it what because what you actually see the bigger tangent if you wanted to really go on it. I love the NBA, and the Denver Nuggets are a long storied franchise, one of the four franchises that came over from the ABA. Pretty sure they won a championship at the ABA. Of course, they packed them in at the old mm-hmm. McNichol Arena, hosted the first uh, dunk contest in 1976. Uh, they had David Thompson, they had Dan Issel. Those were fun teams. They were always fun to watch uh, with Doug Moe in the 80s. They were fun to watch with George Carl five years ago. But they've never won an NBA championship. I don't. I, if they won an ABA title, it was one. I mean, obviously the, the the Broncos for all those years, except for their two titles, they were they more they're two. more known for losing Super Bowls right. than but for they, winning they them. Did, but, but they did. They won, they won two. And they did. But it is. But it's it also difficult? it's a little different to play once a week. Exactly. It is different. So I wonder if in these two grinded up leagues, like, and I know that the the Avalanche won a Stanley Cup because I know Patrick Wild won one there. That's kind of a sad sack franchise. Now it's got to be tough to be a. Colorado sports I, I fan do right wonder, now. I do wonder, like with them, they've tried this a little bit, but if they need to take the Rays approach and amp it up a little bit, they and they did try this. They went with the short rotation, more relievers, yeah. all that. But when Matt Andrees shows up for the Rays and he's in the big leagues, it is something where if you get us, if you face 18 batters, we'll be pretty happy with yeah. you. If you get us to 20, we're not letting you go to 27. That's right. Now, it's very difficult and to... I do wonder, like, if somewhat, like, if that would be even, you know, like, and again, they've tried this a little bit, but that's maybe that's a plan for Colorado where you'd say, look, we just got to, we've got to throw waves of, because they've never, the thing I wonder is, is it's in some ways easier to build a bullpen, and you would need a giant bullpen there, but... Maybe that again. We're just... I think the thing is like I think if you're a minor league, if you're an agent for a for a major league middle reliever, would you rather have him go pitch in Coors or in Petco, Coors or wherever? You're not gonna right. send anybody. That, there. Again, that's the problem. That's the, the difficulty problem they, they always face. Yeah, the problem they always face is is the problem they have. That's right, and they they're aware of it. I mean, I just talking to Dan O'Dowd about it during the draft. I mean, he had he talked about stuff that they talked about trying or that they tried. I hadn't even heard of that they tried. It's not. It has not been for lack of trying, but I do think you're right. They do change approaches from time to time, and so this is the new approach, which is and, and the one thing they have been steady in is scouting and player development. Bill Schmidt's been there a long time. He's been scouting director since like 2001. Which uh, Danny McGovern is like they're like dog years every year. That's like right because we've had we are at this point we are talking about. Last two years, we've turned over a third. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just one as we were recording this, as Doug Lauman goes as a senior advisor for scouting, he's had some health issues, and Nick Hostel was promoted to the White Sox scouting director. Um, definitely a congratulations to Nick and eight last year, and, 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 and one's and, already gone from there with Chris Correa fired and the whole foo for all with the uh, mm-hmm. Astros and Cardinals. The Cardinals firing their scouting. So basically, director. we're talking about we know we will be a third right. turned over, and and R.J. Harrison for the promoted Rays, upstairs, promoted upstairs or sideways. New scouting director there, a little more analytical bent to the race drafts going forward. So yeah, at least a third, if not more than a third, who have changed hands. So in, I think we're up to eleven actually. Yeah, and that's in a year and a half. Yes. So it, it's really it's th- this is this is what happens. Uh, so I, I, I so the fact that Bill Schmidt has been in Colorado and not just Schmitty, uh, Demont, Danny Montgomery has been like his right hand man for most of that tenure. And you look at their national cross checkers, guys like Damon Ionelli, 
and Jay Matthews. Some of these guys have been there forever. Alan Matthews, who used to work for us, he's been a Rockies employee longer than he was at Baseball America now, eight years. So very, you know, they have a lot of longtime scouts, whether it's John Cedarberg or Gary Wilson, Ed Zane, a long list of guys who won't call me back anymore. So <laughs> they have a long list of those guys who've been there for a long time. Um, so I really do, um, I respect their scouting department. And I, and it's diff- they're easier to root for for me than the Marlins are as an organization. Not because I know I, lo- I know a lot of Marlins guys too, um, but their and their ownership has made some mistakes in Colorado. There's some right, very public you, statements. But you do, that but you, you see. do feel like but again, they they have they feel less reactionary than Jeffrey Loria, you know. Um, okay, so let's move on to uh, yeah. other teams. Let's take let's take a, a step for a second, and we will look at from the big league level for a second. Okay, I wanted to ask you about the Royals. Is who I wanted to ask you about. I was going to say. So let's look at. Let me ask you the question because this is the question that everyone asks, and we kind of usually let you know every yeah the national guys or other places look at rank the teams that help themselves the most to the deadline. Which usually you look back on it and you go, okay, it's easy to trade deadline day to go. Wow, look what they did, and right. then you look at it and you realize that. You picked up a great pitcher. Okay, that's good, but that may—I mean, that's not going to change things because but like Dodgers, Royals, Astros, uh, Blue Jays. Those are the four teams, the four buyers that seem like they did the most for themselves. Right. I think that the to me, I look at it and say, I look at what the Astros did because, I mean, the Astros should be in it. They should be like okay, but the thing that the Astros that stands out is is that this year has been to me. Very significant on a couple levels for the Astros. For one, they made the jump very quickly. Right. They went from one of, not the one of, the worst team in baseball, jumped up to being a bad team, jumped up to being a contender. Boom. Yeah, they didn't, they, they, they skipped that intermediate step. They, they were like the Rays did that one. good, that's right. But the other thing they did is, is that, and I'll say I was wrong on this, because I, my question with them, I, Carlos Correa, Oh, uh, yes. I mean, I remember when Carlos Correa showed up that day one. I mean, you know, I'm not saying we'll look at what I said, but I remember tweeting out, look, he's the face of the franchise in about an hour and a half. He's going to be the best shortstop in the American League real, real soon. And there were a couple of Astro fans like, come on, you're putting way too much pressure on him. Yeah. That's crazy and all. And it was, two weeks of- later, it was like, okay, in the American League, which shortstop would you want to have? the best shortstop in baseball, period, right now. And he's, mm-hmm. and look at his he's age. 20. It's insane. But the thing about it is, is beyond that, the question I had was, you look at it, they got a lot of prospects. They had a massive depth. And I do always think there's a danger with depth because when you have depth and you got to sort through all these guys, sometimes you can make mistakes because right. there's only so many, you only have so many ABs, you only have so many play appearances. That being said, what it allowed them to do, they made some significant moves. Adding Scott Casimir helps them a lot. Love the Casimir move for that. Adding Carlos Gomez helps them a lot. And See, what, I love Carlos Gomez. He seems like he helps them less for me than Casimir because Casimir to me uh, gives you this one-two left-handed left-handed punch with Dallas Keuchel, which by the way matches up very well. The Royals are correct. Left, vulnerable against left-handers, and you may be and the Yankees that. too. Yeah, I mean, like I, I at like, this point, you can look at teams and say, "Who do we match up with?" Right, and the Angels to an extent, you're gonna you, you, you you're gonna, always gonna have to worry about. You know, no one's gonna get Trout out. I just like that they have better starting pitching. I, I thought that Casimir gives them a veteran, a guy who's been through pennant races. That certainly helps them. I, I love that pickup for them. Um, but I do wonder 
like where Gomez, I mean, obviously you're going to play him all the time. I didn't think outfield was a problem for them. I didn't, I didn't I think, think what it does though is, is that to me, I like that for a couple reasons. I like Mike Fires for them too. Did that? Oh, yeah. That, he, so and you knew that that was, that I love was a Gomez key part. as a player. I love Gomez as a player, but I like, the, I thought the pitching pitch pickups were what they needed even but, more. But what stood out to me though about it is, is that they've now done this where like they could trade a Jacob Nottingham who, again, took right. a significant step forward in his value this year and they can trade him for Casbier and go, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, again, not that you don't think he's going to be a good player, but you say, we have the depth. Top 10. We, can, we, can, we can do that. For Carlos Gomez, when you acquire Gomez, you can give up Brett Phillips. Now, again, down the road at some point, you're going to have to replace that unless you pay Gomez a lot of money. But you can look at that and say, if we are a playoff contender, the value of not promoting a Phillips, who's not. Carlos Correa, you promote Carlos Correa, and he's batting cleanup for you in the next week you have yeah. to turn around, and he doesn't surprise you. You're not going to get another Carlos Correa. You're not going to get another one of those. Brett Phillips, let's say they're going to contend next year. The difference between having Carlos Gomez, who you kind of know what you're going to get, and Brett Phillips, who you hope you know what you're going to get, right. but... Not only that, you spent whatever you spent on Brett Phillips. It was an overslot bonus. I think he was a $600,000 guy. We liked him in high school. I remember writing him up in Florida. But that was exciting guy. It was a great, it was a great draft pick. You just spent $8 million on, uh, Preston Tucker's little brother Kyle and Daz Cameron. Mm -hmm. You have two new high school outfield hitters. They just had the draft. Could be better than Brett Phillips. They might not be. Daz Cameron might be. They could be better though. And, oh, by the way, you also have, yeah, you aren't going to draft another Carlos Correa. But you did just spend almost $6 million on another up-the-middle guy that people like, and Alex Bregman. Mm-hmm. So you have more assets for next year's trade deadline. You have... And you look at their outfield now. $13 million in assets right there. And you look at their outfield, and you say now... 14 But you say, okay, look, to me, it what I look at it and say, with when everyone's healthy, Preston Tucker... You need to play a decent bit out there. Especially because they're so right-handed with right. their power. That's why Valbuena and Tucker are interesting to them because of the left-handed power. Springer's going to play. Yes. Gomez is going to play. It then removes, puts Jake Marisnik to being kind of more of a, a piece to plug in. And it means that Evan Gaddis, because I mean, at this point with Chris Carter, you, you kind of say, okay, I, I'll put it this way. I probably don't want Chris Carter if I'm the Astros. There are a lot of times in the playoffs I don't want him coming to the plate. That's the thing with the, with the Astros. That's why the pitching needed to get so much better. I don't think that their offense will play in the postseason. They don't have a way to win without home runs, and they don't have very many which is, good hitters. But again, which is going to be difficult again when we look at matchups. You go to Kansas City, yeah. that ball that left is not leaving maybe. Right. No, I, I, that, those kind of things. What they've now done, though, is, is that also but, an outfield of with Springer and Gomez in it, covered a lot of ground. Correct. Again, but Gomez is a strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. Strikes out a lot. Oh, they're they're all in on the you know. I, I'm I'm just they're they're last in the American League in strikeouts as a as an offense. They strike out more mm-hmm. than any team in the American League. This didn't make them better. So I actually I, I I know a lot of people like what they did. I like what they did as well. I like Carlos Gomez. I just don't think he's a great fit for what but, they needed. I like I I think of the teams that. I were thought buyers, that the Royals. I thought the Royals fit. It, they, exactly. they plugged in exactly. The like, Blue Jays. I would say the Blue Jays won because they got the best hitter and yeah. the best pitcher, if arguably. Yeah. And then Cueto because the only real 
and also Zobrist. Right, Hello. I was going to say. They filled their two needs. Now, I do think the Royals, I'm not sure if I would say they overpaid J.J. I was very impressed by what the Reds were able to extract. For a rental. For, for a rental of Johnny Cueto. That was very impressive by the Again, Reds Again, when office. we talk about what's changed over, you can, in some way, if you want to make an argument, if you want to make the argument for the Royals, the Royals were able to trade two pieces of those three were found money in some ways. Yeah. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they don't have value, but Cody Reed... Although, wasn't if, he a pretty high draft? Oh, he runner? was. He was. But if Cody Reed... If the Royals were looking to make a trade in the offseason coming into this year, and they said, we'll give you Cody Reed. Right, exactly. Teams ah, we like him, we teams like him in, high said, in junior college. Teams would have said, we saw our reports... No, thank you, thank you, no. Or we'll Cody give Reed, you an extra guy. Cody Reed would have last year, again, I don't want to, but coming in the offseason, these Marlins guys that they got that were, you know, saying, you know, they didn't get a lot. Araujo, all these Those guys. are Cody Reed type guys coming into the year. Right. Cody Reed, again, player development. John Lamb, too. John Lamb John last Lamb, year just was a bit like, hadn't been good for three years. I'm sorry, I've got our reports higher that he's 86 to 90. He doesn't really have a he's second like a pitch. tattooed Chris Dwyer. You know, but, but and then. And then now you look at it and you say, okay, now our reports are that he's 88 to 92 and a touch of 94, 95. And he's got this cutter. Right. That's really made, uh, been an effective pitch. And he's having a much better year in PCL. All of a sudden he, he becomes a back end guy. And he has confidence. He's getting guys out. He believes again in himself. In that's right. He, he believes then, in himself again. And then Brandon Finnegan, again, the value of when you back take a college Finnegan. guy. The Finnegan. But when you take a college guy, they have current, their currency. Brandon Finnegan is still, it's crazy to think, he is one year removed from being drafted. You know, feels like he's been around for a lot longer than that. Aside here, which starter turned reliever, hopefully turned back to starter, do you believe in more, Brandon Finnegan or Miguel Castro? I believe that Finnegan can still start. I, I I've seen him do it at least at the college level, and he was an elite college starter. I wonder if Castro, if the Blue Jays didn't like, not ruin him, but it's hard to go because at least Finnegan. Can compete in Double A and Triple A. Castro couldn't as a starter. They had bumped him all the way back down to high Class A, and he's twenty and he's had a taste of the big leagues. That's a a tough. high Class A. That's tough. That's tough. I, I I mean, it's funny. Like we said with Peraza, like Peraza's long term value is better that he's gotten away from Anderson Simmons. Yeah. For both those guys, the value for them is better right. because you've taken them to teams that don't need to win now. Brandon Finnegan as a Royal. I think it would have been very hard for him ever to be a starter because there's got always going to be that, but he can help us now. That's it. You can't say, no, 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 we are putting him in glass. You we're can't putting touch this, him. We're putting you our can't first, touch him for 15 starts. We're putting our first-round pick in the same role where we had Tim Collins, who we got for basically nothing. That's how it took going away in terms of a value right. discussion. Again, they devalued him. Right. That being said, they also their approach is, is like, okay, we don't want to have a guy for the ninth. We want to have a guy for the ninth and the eighth and the seventh and the s- Brian Madsen, great for the sixth. That's right, exactly. You know, but um, but so that being said, I think I, I would say probably I would actually say Castro because Finnegan, there were concerns. I I mean Castro, it was kind of he just got launched up into a, a much yeah. higher role, but he's just a guy who's in no way a finished product. Finnegan, now I do, I do think it's funny, like you now will, you know, I saw report, you know, like a lot of the national guys said, you know, I've talked to scouts who say they don't think Brandon Finnegan will ever be a starter. And it's like, okay, I, again, I love pro scouts, you know, pro scouting I think is very valuable. 
But if you're a pro scout and you say that, based, I guess my question is, is you're basing that off of what? Because exactly. a year ago, one year ago, a lot of area scouts saw him and said, I, I've seen him start. I think this guy can start. National, now again, national, were, national guys, not just area guys, yeah. but national cross-checkers, scouting directors. Right. He they was all, in the mix for the Cubs at four last year, where they took Schwarber before he had that little hiccup. Worked out hiccup. well for them. Worked out well for them. But what I'm saying is, is that was a year ago. And what I'm asking is, is if you're a pro scout, the delivery, I follow it. Those were those questions when he was right. in college. But you have not seen him. This year, if you saw Brandon Finnegan, you never saw him throw 55 pitches yeah. in an outing. Ever. That's right. Call, I mean, majors or minors. So it's very hard to be able to make a read. He had a good changeup. Brandon Finnegan in the big leagues doesn't really throw a changeup. Exactly. Why would you? He used to be a fastball changeup guy. Right. He didn't have a breaking ball till some of his sophomore year, right. basically. So what I'm saying is, is that if you're a Reds fan, there is reason to think if you hear, oh, he has no chance to be a starter. We haven't seen Brandon Finnegan starter because there was never a point this year where you said, we haven't Brandon, seen it. We're not, don't be thinking about being up in the big leagues next week. Thinking about 10, 15 starts here. We haven't seen it as a professional, period. No. We no. just haven't. So, uh, so that's, so, but, I, but I did think that the Royals, Cueto, the funny thing I do find is, is there's been a lot of stories also say that Yordano Ventura will be much better now that Johnny Cueto's there. And I guess my question is, is, okay, I get it. They're both short right handers who throw hard and they're both from the Dominican. Those are good things. That being said, if Jordano Ventura is good over the second half of the season, I think that it is as much likely because Jordano Ventura has a chance to be really good, then I don't think... I don't that, think it hurts, though, to have a, a veteran mentor who's not... But he not, had Edison Volquez. I mean, Edison Volquez is a little different, but... Yeah, so that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think it helps that it's not Edison Volquez. I think it's crucial that it's not Edison Volquez. But... Edison, oh. that guy pimps everything. Volquez, that guy? Yeah, I think anyway, they wait, need... Wait. Ask Cardinal fans about Johnny Cueto. They're I know, <laughs> I follow you. I'm not saying Johnny Cueto is like a saint, but just someone who just has a little bit less of... I think Volquez is Spanish for the red ass, so but, I think Cueto can help him a little bit. But but what I'm saying is, is, but I look at that and you say, to me, the thing that stands out is this. They needed a number one. They got it. That's right. Zobrist, plug and play. Could not have been a better fit. Right. It's like... Draw some walks competitive at bats. And wants to face a left-handed pitcher. Exactly. Does not hesitate to hit right-handed and hit his left-handers. Can, can sub in anywhere if you need him. Literally but anywhere. Him, but you stick him in second base, and this guy's going to be a, a right real field. asset. I think you know what's going to end up happening. I think they've said it. They do love Infante. I think that they're going to end up, I think that what they're going to say is, is Infante better defender at second. Now with this, we can bat him ninth. No more Paolo Orlando? Palo Orlando's in the minors right now. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. I know you were enjoying the Palo Orlando oh, experience. I love the Palo Orlando experience. But, okay, another team. And the, we should wrap. And we should wrap, but this has been too fun. It's fun. Two teams that didn't do a whole lot that we want to talk about. One is the Yankees. I, the Yankees, understandably, are going to get criticized in New York for not doing a whole lot. Yep. I, I follow that. Yep. That being said, depending on what pitchers were out there and what they would have to pay, I mean, I'm kind of surprised, you know, there were talk, you know, that Mateo was available in the right deal, all that. Right. They, they were discussing a lot with the Padres, it was reported, including for, for Craig Kimbrell, which was really surprising. They Although, were trying to build the pen hey, of all pens. You want to talk about how, no matter how good Wade Davis is, Hoochie Mama would not have <laughs> wanted to see the, the Yankees bullpen with Kimbrell and uh, Batances 
and Andrew Miller. That would have been By the way, incredible. They're like, they're like Chase and Shreve, who's got like a sub two, would have been like, okay, we love need you to get some out from the fifth. I love Chase and Shreve. You know, but that would I always love Chase and Shreve. That would have been, yes, that would have been frightening beyond all frightening. Vegas, baby. But what I was going to say is, is that to me, they, they need more than this. But the key for them is, is Luis Severino. We've talked to a lot of scouts who've seen Severino this year and yeah. say, this guy is better than what they have right now. Right. Like, I'll put it this way. CC Sabathia 2015, Luis is lesser than C, than Luis Severino 2015. Yes. That's, and so, seems like, to be the scouting as, as, consensus. as one scout put it, you know, like, if you're the Yankees, you, you gotta be kind of hoping for a hamstring pull at some point or something. Because, <laughs> you know, you need, this guy could make a difference for you. It's hard to believe that, uh, how just how bad Sabathia has gotten? I mean, it's not that hard to believe, I guess. But their bullpen is Royals esque. I do wonder what the Yankees do. Like, what would the price tag would have been? What other starting pitchers were in play for them? How close they came to getting some of those other starting pitchers? Because right now it seems like they're banking on Ivan Nova, you know, and he's been good since he came back. But Pineda, no, I mean, they, Nova, hurt. Tanaka I mean, are all either hurt or injury risks or coming off Tommy John surgery. I mean, Adam Warren's been one of the other more consistent starters for them. And, no, the, the, and the, how much is Tanaka? You know, Tanaka seems like he's pitching with a pretty fried elbow. To his credit, you know, great but, for him. But but you do have to ask the question with that almost is, is that the other part of that is, is that if you're the Yankees, there's a little bit of found money for the Yankees this year. Yeah, no doubt. So where... I give them credit from the standpoint of you don't – they could make one or two moves. They could acquire David Price. Even if they acquire David Price, the Yankees are not the beast of the playoffs this year. That doesn't mean they couldn't win it. Yeah. But there is no one player that they could have acquired that would take them from being right now – they are, I would say, a 50-50 shot to win the East because the Blue Jays A little now. better than that because they have a six-game lead. I mean, a little yeah. better than that. Okay, a little better than that. But in the playoffs, you match them up against the Royals. I don't think they're as good as the Royals right now. Yeah, you, and, you match them up against the Astros. I don't know if they're as good. I don't think they're as good as the Astros. That, right. that, those teams are very similar. But that one, two, I, I would take Keuchel and Casimir over any two guys the Yankees can throw at you, unless Tanaka's healthy. And, and like Tanaka, Pineda, healthy would be Tanaka, pretty interesting. You know, but Tanaka's not, and Pineda. The best, the best hope for Pineda is is that. He comes back in September right. and is immediately healthy, right? Which is asking a lot. It's difficult. And again, you even look at them versus the Angels. The Angels, all of a sudden, last year they ran out of pitchers. This year, apparently, with, uh, what's his name? Uh, slider, straight edge racer. What's his real CJ? name? CJ Wilson's apparently hurt. No, he's done. Yeah, yeah but so even with that, I know they he's still no good. have five guys. They do. Uh, Garrett Richards has become Garrett Richards again, which is very encouraging, just for baseball, not as an Angels fan, but just. But, well, He's good. I like watching good but, players. Hey, I want to see Jared Weaver pitching them in the in the postseason because there is something fun about like I, I saw uh, Kyle at Driveline, who uh, you know is a good follow, yeah. uh, tweeted out like there was a report of Weaver like recently, like eighty two. Yeah, like, I was about to say isn't he like averaging eighty three point eight. And he said, and he, said he said, imagine he said, if you're a high school pitcher and you sent that and you're trying to get recruited and you're like eighty two to eighty three. Crap, well, that guy really hides it well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd have been like you couldn't get. Books. It's a Black Burnian strikeout rate of four point six per nine. So uh, again, it's I hate to see it. But um, but no. But what you say though, you know, you do look at that. The other team I did want to wrap up with is is the Angels didn't do much. No, but 
Look, a couple did, pieces of outfield. The but, Angels had, but they did what they could do, which is is that unless uh, last were, year they had fewer prospects, and they got Houston Street. Yeah, but they did uh, essentially what they did is this piece around the periphery again. You know, they didn't want to trade Sean Newcomb. If they don't want to trade Sean Newcomb, they couldn't get anyone to buy on the uh, resurgence of the Caleb Cowart. You know, like uh, I would have been like, kind hey, of surprising actually. You know, hey, Caleb Cowart's available. You can you can have he's him. still available. Um, but. You know, the, the other team to me though that's in it that did not do much was the Pirates. Yeah, and I no thought, but Soria. I. They, that's about it. Soria, and you know, I, again, they on the periphery they they did pick up, uh, you know, Aramis Ramirez earlier. Right, earlier, but I look at them and I say again, this is a very disciplined team that is saying a disciplined organization mm-hmm. that once they again kind of like the Astros. They struggled, they struggled, they struggled, they struggled. It clicked in 2013. Now they've sustained it. They definitely have an identity. You know what they stand for. They are an analytics organization that combines an analytical bent from the front office with a trust in their scouts. And they a great have, player development. They have had outstanding player development. They know how to develop a bullpen there. Um, they are proactive. Hey, last year, Josh Harrison, Jordy Mercer were really good. Didn't stop him from going to get Jun Ho Kong. And now I've and seen my, all these tweets today that he leads all National League rookies in war. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a very way, proactive and, and that, but, organization that I was I had significant doubts about three years ago. Happy to be proved wrong. The other thing with them is, is that you look at them and you say, even without making moves, they have depth. Right. They do. When they get everyone healthy. And don't look now, but we'll get to see him this week here in Durham. But Tyler Glass does in AAA. And don't look now... <laughs> But Tyler Glass knows in AAA. I can't wait to see that guy in person. But you know what? Because I've I seen films, and he's fun to watch on films. And I don't you know, know that he's ready, but... But what? What? But ready to do what? Right. Well, that's it. Because if you say ready to pitch, like, ready I don't be, think he's ready, ready to be, to be 20... Matt Moore, who comes up in the playoffs and all of a sudden could is he be, pitching... Could he be your Jonathan Holdscomb? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's where I'm headed. I was, I was, I was seeing if you were going to get there before I We did. haven't podcasted together in months, and we're on the same page over and over again. Are you kidding me? Well, we, we've, you know, we, we've worked together a long, long this time. Is this is true. This is true. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love that idea. We, I did want to throw in, I think we both liked the Brewers made a improving on-the-quiet farm. farm system. like a. We talked about it last year. Like I remember just being very impressed with their Florida State League team. I liked their 2014 draft. It was very high-risk, high-reward. Gaywood, Harrison, Medeiros. Medeiros had a pretty good year this year. Good strikeouts and good ground balls. Harrison and, and Gaywood still gaining <laughs> acceptance. They're kind of like the Dan Quayle 1988. They're, they're, they're part of the guys who the Midwest joke. League chewed up and spit out. Uh, That's right. Like pretty much every other high school hitter who went there this year. Yes. Um, Michael but, Getty says hello. I was hello. gonna say. Derek Hill says hello. Alex Jackson says is the hello. One that, like I, that one makes no sense to me still. But I like what the Brewers have done. I like the system that they have started and to build. And the key thing is, is they have now, they have the cornerstone guy to start with. Phillips certainly is a Orlando, guy. Well, star- saying, but, oh, I, I thought you were saying, yes, you add Phillips to Orlando Arcia. Taylor. And you are now. Tyler talk- Wagner. You just, are talking about this is, has the. Hey, look at it this way. If you're the Brewers, you are in a very difficult division. You are in a very difficult division. Yeah. The Cardinals are the best team in baseball. The Pirates have been, have developed into a long running now. Yeah. Machine and here come the Cubs. and here comes the steamroller. You know that I mean the Cubs. Who, by, by the way, way, who did who they did? You want to talk about discipline? 
Good I point. know that there are some Cubs fans who are like, why didn't we go pick up another starter and all this? The Cubs look at it again without talking to anyone in the past week about this. Just know what they looked at it and said, you know what? We may make the playoffs this year. That's right. But we are not going to do anything to sacrifice 16, 17, 18. Because right now, they're not. Look, this is not the Cubs' year. They may end up somehow magically doing it. I'm sure the data tells them how often is a team going to win with rookie Schwerber, rookie Russell, rookie Bryant, rookie Solaire. And you how know, often are teams with those many rookies win? And you know not those guys should be better next year. Correct. With all that being... Hard to imagine Schwerber getting better in some ways offensively. Right. God, that but, guy's fun to watch it. But you know with all that, again... They don't have to make the great thing is is they didn't have to make a major move. I think the main thing is that I think a lot contending. Of, I think Cubs fans wanted the major move just in Castro gone. <laughs> That's why I think they really want it. It's more as, as less about what they could have brought in and more about they wanted Starlo, Starlin Castro gone. But back to the Brewers, who they all have to be reminded that the Cubs are coming because every time the Cubs play in Milwaukee, it's all Cub fans as it was over the weekend. But Arcia, Taylor, Clint Coulter, one of these rare players. you got a, the rare right-handed hitter with a chance to get the 20 home runs in the Florida State League. Although I do think he's slowed his role since the last time I checked him. But there has not been a Brewers farmhand hit 20 home runs in that Florida State, and he's not going to do it. He's still stuck at 11. It's hard to hit home runs at Space you got to hit it to the moon to get it out of Space Coast Stadium, is the old saying, and he hasn't done that yet. But he does have power. He leads the Florida State League in outfield assists. Gilbert Lara, toolsy middle infielder. Jorge uh, Lopez. Co- Cody Medeiros, Devin Williams, Monty Harrison, Michael Reed, Jorge Lopez. They have all kinds of depth. they got some nice little sleepers in there, like a Hobbs Johnson. I like their system. And then they went and picked up. Brett Phillips is going to go right toward the top of this farm are... system. Josh Hader. Nice the other fit. thing is, is Domingo Santana. Domingo yeah. Santana could end up being nothing. Right. There's a decent chance that Domingo Santana is not a big league regular. I mean, but. Sad but true. But there's also that chance that Domingo Santana could be that guy. I mean, again, this is they're different because William Opeña was an insane athlete, better than Domingo Santana. But similar for I think that's a decent comp. Power, power arm, and you hope he hits enough to get to his power. Well, for the span of William Opeña's career, you would say he didn't. Right. But there were moments in William Opeña's career. If you go to Baseball Reference, you will see there were times where like William Opeña was actually a valuable big leaguer. The thing that Domingo Santana in Milwaukee has that he was never going to get in Houston. In Houston, which is correct for the Astros to trade him, Domingo Santana has less value next year in Houston and less the year after that. Because barring massive injuries, Domingo Santana is not going to get, here's right. 500 at-bats to figure something out in Houston. It's not going to happen. No. They're, they're trying to win now, and they have too many guys. He can go to Milwaukee, and they maybe can give him 500 at-bats, and maybe figure something out. What's the best you got? Did you go to Willie Moe? Willie Moe hit 26 home runs one year. And what was his OPS plus? Uh, 116. I was going to uh, say, he, had that... three, he never was a full-time regular is the uh, weird thing about it. But, yes, and, of course, uh, I, I thought this had his Japanese stats in B-Ref, but I don't see Japan stats. Of course, there's, like, food with Willie Moe's Pena. Pena's a picture all over it that Ben Badler showed us two years ago from the World Baseball Classic. But, yeah, so basically Willie Moe's like a better version of Vladimir Ballantine. I, I think that Domingo Santana is There's from that, that phylum of players. Carlos Pagero. Yeah. We could keep going on these guys. And most of these guys that we're going to keep going on but end one up of being them, AAA guys. But one of them out of every 10, 15, 20 turns into Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. 
maybe he's the one. And again, if you're the you Brewers, try. and if you're the Brewers, he was at best the third guy in that deal. Yeah, no, you're right because they have Josh Hader and they have Brett Phillips. Right now, again, and Josh Hader, again, a situation for him. He's in Houston. He probably, I know that there's a likely that he ends up being a reliever. Right, but in a better team, a better organization that's more geared to win now, he would be asked, "Hey, we need you to go to bullpen now." The Brewers will give him a longer leash. It is amazing that he's already been traded twice to be one like a 19th round pick right. in 2013. But you, but with them now, you say we're going to try to make you a starter. Yeah, Adrian Hauser again is a guy who I don't know if he ever makes it up in Houston. It's like yeah, but and he may not make it in Milwaukee. But again, but hey, Zach Davies, they are in the accumulation phase. And these are the guys you accumulate. Yeah, the Orioles didn't. Now the Orioles are going to be there with the Marlins for worse farm system. The Orioles did not have much to trade, but. Zach Davies is about as, excuse me, about, about as good as a good guy. healthy guy as they got. Exactly. When it comes I mean, to be healthy. You, you got to say healthy because, right. I mean, the reality is is that, look, the, the Orioles right now, what it comes down to is is that if Dylan Bundy and Hunter Harvey aren't healthy, that's that's gutting. Not a lot of there there. Not, not a lot of there there. Um, so I, I like what the Brewers did. Their Canadian-ness showed a bit by picking up Malik Collimore. Uh, hey, that is, yeah, that is... We ranked, if you go to BaseballAmerica.com, we ranked the uh, every prospect. Now, we didn't go 1 through 57. I'll explain a little bit more here on the podcast, which is is that you get to a point, when you're talking about the top 10 guys, you can rank them 1 to 10. When you get to a point, it really comes down to what are you looking to acquire because, now, there are guys, nothing against Elliot Soto, but Elliot Soto would have been number 57 because Elliot right. Soto is a... Hasn't he been released once? I think he has. But he's a glove, good glove shortstop who doesn't hit, who's probably never going to be protected from the Rule 5 draft and not picked. And, you know, really your your hope is utility infielder. Okay. that But but again, but then there's things like Malik Call- Collimore. If you're comparing him, a guy who's... Third-year rookie ball guy. Third-year rookie ball guy who has some tools. You wish he wasn't a left fielder already. Don't. You really wish he was still a second, but who has some tools... And you compare that to a guy uh, who's in double-A or higher, uh, Pinheiro, who the uh, Marlins yeah, picked Pinheiro, up. Yeah. Yvonne Pinheiro. Those are, what do you want? Do you want the guy whose ceiling is is maybe he becomes a fifth starter for you and, you know, possibly in the right situation, but it's unlikely, versus a guy who may never make it out of low-A, right. but if it all puts you put it all together... He ends up being a regular. Okay, well, that really depends on what your team's looking for. Right. So ranking, you rank groups more than you rank, you know, there's the flyers and then there's the, we're trying to get a, as we said, we're trying to hit a single here. Exactly. Yeah. But we ranked all those guys. Collimore was a guy who he ranks in that flyer group. Like, again, hey, I, I understand. You, you take guys and you say, you know, if it all comes together, there's some tools here. You can run, there's some power. He hadn't run. He doesn't run that well in games, so we kind of haven't seen that. The power, he hadn't really made enough contact to get to the power. We haven't seen that in games. He's a left fielder right now. You wish he was a middle up the middle guy, all those things. There are a lot of concerns. The Appy League shouldn't be such a big jump if you hit three thirty three in the GCO, no. which he did the year before. So the fact that the Appy League proved that challenging is troublesome. But I mean Small Take sample size. It's, you it's hope Jonathan it's, Bronson. You, you have, you have, he's essentially a month into his season right now. Right. You hope it's a bad month. Jonathan Bronson was having a bad year. And, and again, for the Cardinals, if you're the Cardinals, you acquired. If Jonathan Broxton pitches zero innings for you in the playoffs, but 
with you having the best record, he keeps you from throwing your better guys some innings in August and September. Right. That's value to them. Absolutely, and he's been through it. So, um, fun stuff, JJ. Good to get the band back together. Hope everybody enjoyed the hour and a half of uh, John and JJ's <laughs> excellent adventure. Uh, I was supposed to be on day off, but I can't not JJ was on vacation two, two weeks ago. I was on vacation I last week. You, John. We got back together, absolutely. So we hope you enjoyed it. You can send future questions to podcast at baseballamerica.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, and we'll see you at the next Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.